Season three, or not officially, because like training camp opened up today. Mm-hmm. So, are we still in training camp, or or is this season three yet? This is this is season three because our branding, John. Okay. We came out with our new images today, and uh, I think that's kind of the kickoff. And it's like the first day of school, so I would deem this uh, the beginning of season three. It was like see, uh, like the first day of school, DB. I wore a new jacket to uh, TSPC today, and everything. I was I was sweating tremendously inside of my. <laughs> My brand new jacket. I, I didn't wear a flannel today. I don't know if you noticed or not, but I did. Uh, had a new jacket on today. Uh, you had a new jacket. I had a suit. I came in a suit, John. I suited up for today. So <laughs> you did. trying to clean up my image. You wait, did. wait till tomorrow. I'm, today. I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum tomorrow. If you're, uh, I'll let people see tomorrow. But <laughs> but but we're excited. Flip flops tomorrow. Uh, well, along those lines, you'll see maybe some Vans, and uh, we'll see. It'd be totally entirely different outfit, John, for tomorrow. <laughs> Well, I'm going to let you in on a little dirty secret here, Dennis. You will not see me tomorrow. I, I didn't have the heart to tell everybody, by, by the way. Uh, today when I was walking away, and I was like, okay, bye, everybody. you know, And then they were like, okay, see you tomorrow, Mayor. And I didn't want to tell them, but you will not see me tomorrow because this is my yes. favorite weekend of the year. Of course. So I'm out of town, pal. No, that's it, baby. Bowling, that's so it. You yeah. will not see no me No chance. Zero, negative 5% okay. chance you will be there tomorrow. Exactly. If I show up on Friday at TSPC, there is a significant, significant problem. That's right. Uh, Dennis, uh, let's get started here with this episode. Of course, we are coming to you from the beautiful Don Waddell Studio here in Southern California. Now, some people might be saying, uh, what are you guys doing? Don Waddell is the general Mm -hmm. manager of the Carolina Hurricanes. But, DB, you know I love the connections. You do. I'm going to bring it all back for you. Please do. (laughs) Don Waddell did... He, he meets my criteria anyway because he's a very obscure former L.A. King. He was drafted by the L.A. Kings in the seventh round back in 1978. He only played, Dennis, one NHL game, and it happened to be for the Kings during the 80-81 season. And that's not really the reason that it's timely or significant at this particular moment. It's really because uh, we're, we're kind of playing catch-up a little bit on this episode because we haven't done a show in a while. Yep. Old friend Mike Fuda was yes. recently hired as an assistant or a consultant uh, to the general manager there. And who is the general manager in Carolina? It is Don Waddell. So there is a King's connection to former King Mike Fuda now hooking up and uh, being hired by the Carolina Hurricanes. 
old buddy Don Waddell. Uh, played one game in the NHL. He played it for the LA Kings, Dennis. That's a great fight. I never knew that, John. I was, I was going through my mind when you told me which studio was going to be named. I'm like, what's the connection? I never knew that Don was drafted or actually played a game for the Kings. But uh, great to see Mike Fuda land on his feet. It was uh, it was a long process for, for Mike to go into the next spot, and he's totally happy. He, you mentioned he's going to be a consultant. He can stay in his home base of Toronto with his kids. And uh, he can still do Sportsnet. So if people in Canada are listening to the podcast, you're still going to see Mike Foot on the air there. And uh, we're pleased for him. We're really pleased for him. Absolutely. Uh, good to see that Foots is now back employed by an NHL team, and that's going to help keep him in the mix for a potential future GM sure. job with another club at some point. Here's the interesting thing, though, Dennis. And it's one of those things that, like, sometimes the most interesting stories are the ones that we never get to the end of. Right. Because behind the scenes, there was a lot of discussion, allegedly, uh, between Fuda and the Calgary Flames. And it would have been very, very interesting to see if he would have ended up landing in Calgary before he got the job, or rather than getting the job in Carolina. Uh, I just think it plays out differently in Carolina than it probably would have in Calgary because Trey Living would have brought him in. It would have been like, you know, they would have been, he would have been a consultant to him, but mm-hmm. eventually probably replacing him. And then Sutter's under contract there as yeah. the coach. <laughs> He's not going anywhere. So Fuda now would have had uh, Sutter as the coach, uh, or would Sutter have tried to be the de facto GM? I just think it would have been a whole interesting uh, bowl of soup, uh, if you will, uh, to follow. But we'll never get to the end of that story, Dennis. That's true. I just think that Mike's stepping into a more stable situation with the uh, with the Hurricanes uh, because they are Stanley Cup contender, right? They are one of the favorites. And to be honest, Tree Living is probably on thin ice in Calgary, so I, I'm not sure he was able to bring in uh, more management, and right with the specter of Daryl Sutter there, uh, they really have to make a move this year. So I think that uh, from a stability standpoint, it's certainly a smarter move to go to Carolina than to Calgary. Yeah, let's let the dust settle a little bit in Calgary, very similar to let the dust settle in Vancouver. And at some point, maybe uh, maybe Foots will be a general manager of a Canadian team. But for now, he's employed, and like you said, yep. with a Stanley Cup contending team, uh, they have a good thing going there in Carolina. So hopefully him and uh, Donnie Waddell will – We'll get along. I think Donnie Waddell was the GM also, if I'm not mistaken, in Atlanta um, when Stutz was the assistant mm-hmm. coach there, if I remember correctly. But that's a different podcast, uh, DB. <laughs> let's uh, let's do one other quick follow-up point before we get to Now, the agenda for today's show is going to be very easy, DB. Uh, period number one, let's try to cover off and do sort of a recap of our weekend trip to Arizona. Sure. Period number two, we can talk about uh, opening day of training camp today, our impressions and uh, share some share some comments back and forth. And then in the third period, we'll bring in the fans because we recently uh, did an episode where we had a we answered a bunch of true false questions related to the NHL, and we um, asked listeners, uh, you know, followers on Twitter, whatnot, to uh, give us some true false questions related to the LA Kings. And so you and I can answer those questions. That'll be the third period. But before we get to the the real topic, the real meat of the first period today, one, uh, one more quick follow up here. Akil Thomas was a guest on the last episode, and I almost wish I would have pulled the audio to play the clip because I still laugh just thinking about it, him saying he's not a car guy, and yet him trying to describe the vehicle that John Robleski, uh, Robo, drives. And uh, so I I have the follow-up to that. I'm going to tweet the photo out pretty soon here. He drives a Jeep, and it's like a like a hunter green or like a forest green Jeep. There's a great story behind it. Um, we're going to have Robo on the on the show coming up here in the next couple of weeks before the season starts. I'll let him tell the story and talk more about it, but it's just absolutely hilarious to see this picture uh, after hearing Akil Thomas try to describe what a Jeep is. So 
I finally have found a chink in the armor, so to speak, because as you know, Dennis, for many, many years now, I've talked about how Akil is the most interesting person. I mean, come on. The guy owns his own clothing company and does all this stuff. He's just a fascinating, fascinating person to talk to. I finally found the one topic that he cannot speak, um, I'm going to say intelligently about, because listening to him try to talk about a Jeep uh, was pure comedy. So um, (laughs) I I will tweet the photo out. Uh, and Akil, I know you're listening. You're still my boy. Uh, but uh, come on, man. It's a Jeep, dude. It's not that hard to figure out. Um, so that's, the, that's the, uh, the follow-up to that one there. And then the other follow-up, Dennis, is uh, I, I hate to admit this, but I am getting older. I'm getting more experience. I'm not old. I'm just you know, gaining wisdom as we move along here. And um, I've, I've needed to wear some reading glasses, okay. uh, as you may or may not have noticed yes. watching me on the, the, uh, the laptop recently. And... Um, so I needed to go to the optometrist, and lo and behold, there is an optometrist in um, uh, Manhattan Beach. I was going to say Marino Beach. I have no idea what that means, but um, <laughs> in Manhattan Beach. And the reason that this stuck out in my mind is that um, in between periods, you know how it is, DB. We have yep. a lot of listeners and, and, and whatnot that stop by at Staples Center. We're always at the elevators between periods, and they come by, and they say hi, and they chat, or they ask us questions about Jack Eichel or whatever. And... Um, <laughs> One day, uh, Rob, who is, I'm sure he has a more official doctor name, but Rob, the optometrist, uh, was, you know, talking with us about this mural in Manhattan Beach of Kopitar and Dowdy and the LA Kings and, and whatnot, and um, saying, you know, hey, come down, check it out, whatever. And so uh, I went down to check it out, and, and, and I saw this mural. It's fascinating yeah. there in, uh, in Manhattan Beach, and there's two sides to it. There's actually the one side of the building, and then if you go over to the other side, mm-hmm. there's like this area with a crown and um, in talking to Rob, uh, and he has a partner as well there at, uh, at Beach City's Optometry, but he was telling me how they have these video cameras, you know, security cameras sure. yep. um, outside the building. And they, they, they catch people all the time, like uh, stopping by on the side of the building and taking, and taking photos, photos, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it's for. It's kind of like one of those you know, like social media places for them to do this. Um, now, I, I've, I've heard uh, through the grapevine, though, DB, that uh, that that relationship, that contract, that that whatever between mm-hmm. um, Beach City's optometry and the Kings, uh, that it's coming due here pretty okay. soon at some point, maybe at the end of the season or whatnot. So I think that people in the community are wondering, are the Kings going to re-up? I mean, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously it's like a billboard, right? It's not like some fan just... Painted on oh, the is that? What, I didn't know that, John. Is that the way it is? Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. They, they they did it in partnership with the Kings. Sure. Um, so the Kings had presented, from what I understand, um, maybe we need to track down the artist and have him on the program or something. But from what I understand, they had presented a couple different ideas of mm-hmm. what to do on the side of this building. The Kings were the one that really um, spearheaded all of this, from what I understand. They contacted the Chamber of Commerce and were like, "Hey, we want you know a lot of our players and fans are here in the South Bay, and we want to get." Uh, some, some street art, you know, a mural, a design on, on a building. And the Chamber of Commerce was like, we know exactly the guy that you need to talk to, uh, a <laughs> big-time Kings fan. Uh, and so, and they knew that uh, Beach City's optometry owned their own building, so they were able sure. to, to come up with a deal and do that. So very curious to see because, as you often see with these type of projects, they're kind of refreshed every, every right. couple of years. So, you know, as we think about over the last decade, and we've talked about it on this program, Kopitar, Dowdy, Brown, Quick. Mm-hmm. Those have been the four marketable names. Of course. And as you turn the page and go forward, who are some of the players that you're going to market around, right? I mean, you think it's Quentin Byfield. You think it's Turcotte. Mm-hmm. There probably are some other ones as well. Um, do you start, you know, I think there's a lot of fun you could have. You do one side of the wall or one side of the building could be the, the kid's wall. Sure. One side could be, you know, 
those those four the, the core legends, four have right? their numbers retired yeah mm-hmm. all four or, or do you start to incorporate them together right you know showing a, a bridge to the past do you maybe show a player even a legacy player like a like a Dave Taylor or a Rogi Vachon along with one of the current legends and along with one of the future prospects so much fun that you could do uh with these walls Dennis yeah uh, and it's funny John you mentioned about being at the elevators between periods and asking questions about Jack Eichel I have a little and I told you this today a little uh Going to inject a little bit of humor here, right? So uh, okay. I was going to hold it for the first, the second period because that was the first day of camp. But today, the first day of camp, they're early I'm talking to Lisa Dillman, John Gomez from the Kings, and Rob sitting there at the Olympic guys looking at the, the first uh, scrimmage. And I'm sitting right behind him and his phone rings. And I say to him, pretty out loud, I say, it's Kevin Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure he appreciated. It. Oh yeah, he how got, hard did he kick you? I'm just kidding. no. He chuckled. He he gets it. This good thing about Rob. He, he as much as you know, as I joke, and now it's joking about Shaka. He he gets it. He got a chuckle out of it. So did everybody else standing around me. But so that was that was pretty funny. Yes, uh, there's there's a lot uh, going on around the other <laughs> is right now. Yeah. Uh, tennis. I mean, you know, there's 13 players vying for four final spots right. on the roster. We can we can talk about that on the in the second period. So. Uh, if you're if you're in Manhattan Beach or whatever, get down and take a look at the mural, guys. Yep. I think it's fantastic, and uh, you know you can always hit up uh, Beach City's optometry as well if you if you need to get glasses or whatever. From what I understand, a couple of the Kings management uh, get their get their eyewear fantastic. at that particular optometrist. But uh, moving on, DB, um, we you and I took a trip to Arizona, uh, which was great because I know that you don't get out to see the kids very much, but that was nice to go in the sweltering 187 degree heat that was. Well, John, don't say Arizona. 187. You're going to get corrected by people who live in Arizona saying it's not that hot. Careful. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, sometimes people just don't get my humor on Twitter. Yes. No, it was so, funny because you said it was, it was a you said brisk 117 degrees. So if you can't even <laughs> comprehend brisk 117, then I can't help you. It was definitely a brisk 117. <laughs> uh, hey, man, it was so hot, I didn't even get my Dutch Brothers coffee. So come on, leave me alone. Um, oh, wait, wait, Dutch Brothers, time out, yeah. time out. Do you know, John, I don't yeah. think you know this, Dutch Brothers went public. No, I did not know that. Yeah, we need to buy you one share of Dutch Brothers. <laughs> Please, we do. Yes, I'm going to do that. Need... I'm going to gift that to okay. you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My was... birthday is coming up in November. Okay, yeah, that's it. That's perfect. <laughs> one brothers of one share of Dutch Brothers stock. I was, I was going like, oh wait a minute. And John, here's the their sticker symbol. You're going to love this. B R O S. Bros, that's the oh, sticker symbol. My, that, that's the greatest ever. Come <laughs> <I> on, <know>. exactly. <laughs> Those are my bros. I Come know on. exactly. Oh man. Okay. Uh, people don't they, don't. they don't want to hear about murals and eyewear. Yeah, and, I think uh, they do. Red vines or coffee. They okay. want to hear about our trip. Yes, let's do it. So outside of the weather, um, so the, the 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 game that we saw was we went to Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Actually, Sunday and Monday. So game two and game three. Game one I covered from home. Uh, which was the game that they that they won the game that they uh, the first game they won I should say they beat Colorado in that game they dominated, dominated that game. yes um, I would say I would say this that would uh, besides the fact that they won it was the most impressive because DB they played that proverbial sixty minutes mm-hmm. of hockey like they dominated that game from the beginning to the end that was my impression I think the biggest takeaway is is what you mentioned John is that in the context of this tournament. Like, without question, and I watched the game, too, without question, because you've watched it closer than I have, that was their finest game of the history of the tournament, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you, you, I mentioned this in the article the other day that I did about it, the 10, 10 tidbits on it, yeah. that goaltending has not been one of their strengths in mm-hmm. this tournament. Right. Um, and I was wrong. I'm the first to admit this. I was wrong. I, I would not have started Matty Vallalta in, in game one right. of that tournament. Um, he was a late add to the roster. And I thought it was just more of a tournament for Ingham and Perrick. But they started Ingham, and he played. He was excellent. Um, the offense gave them a goal early. I think that that gave them a little bit of, of, of momentum, mm-hmm. if you will. And then getting that dagger kind of, you know, in, in the final couple of seconds there, yeah. Fagamo uh, at the end of the first period to put them up. They ended up winning the game 4 nothing. So, obviously, you know, they were getting offensive production. Matty Volta made somewhere around 23, 25 saves. Uh, they, uh, they doubled the number of shots. But they just – they controlled that mm-hmm. game, Dennis. And Colorado, it was almost as if they were playing the NHL-level avalanche in terms of they had the speed, they had all the skill – Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you did have Byram and you had Newhook and stuff, right. uh, but the Kings just shut them down. I mean, they, they were controlling the pace of play. Yeah, without question, a dominant performance. And then uh, I wish we could have seen another performance like that live, but, you know, but, but at least, and I, yeah. I think one of your takeaways was, look, you know, the progression of what this team has done in that tournament um, with respect to their mm-hmm. records and winning games. And I think that, to me, that's the biggest takeaway. And you expect it, John, right? I mean, you expect, you know, the prospects are better, the pool's deeper, so you expect better performances in this tournament. Yeah, and it's almost probably better that it played out the way that it did because can you imagine if the tournament was held last year, Robo coming in as a first-year coach, and those would have been his first games with those players. Right. So it, it's better that it played out this way. He had you know 41 games with sure. most of those guys or a lot of those guys last year, and so he probably was a little more comfortable, I would guess, behind the bench right, at the right. tournament having had that exposure to those players. So, um, yeah, the second game, which came on Sunday, which came at the arena, so for those that weren't paying too close of attention, all of the other games uh, not featuring the Coyotes were played on the east side of town at their practice facility, the Ice Den in Scottsdale. But any game featuring the Coyotes, those games were played at Gila River Arena, which is on the west side of town in Glendale. That's the main, the main arena where the Coyotes play. Um, so Sunday night, that was, the, that was the feature game, the Kings versus the Coyotes. And what stood out for me in that game, Dennis, was, uh, and Robo talked about it after the game. He said, hey, tonight we showed our rookie. This, you know, mm-hmm. it's a rookie yeah. tournament. And there, there was a lot of rookiness that was going on in that, <laughs> in that game. Um, players were not as sharp. They, they were not, uh, I, I just, it was such a weird thing. Now, Fagamo and Kapari sat out that game, right. which was the plan going in. Yep. But you could tell it was a different team a different Kings team compared to what we saw in game one, Dennis. Yeah, and just I think the constant was the goaltending was still good. They didn't much mm-hmm. offer much offensively, but the goaltending was good in both that, you know, that loss and the win. So I think that, you know, I agree with you. It was a different level of team that played, but I agree with you. You take two significant prospects out of the team, it's going to be, I think the performance is going to suffer, and I just think it did. Yeah, Ingham was solid in goal yeah. that night. Uh, obviously, from an offensive perspective, the two things that stand out the most would be Alex Turcott. Phenomenal game. He was definitely the best player for the mm-hmm. LA Kings in the tournament. Arguably, and talking to a couple of scouts while we were there, they thought that he could uh, be mentioned in, in the breath of being the best player in the tournament overall. And so, you know, he was great with his goal. Um, but then, I mean, the highlight of the weekend was probably the Tyler Madden shootout Shoot goal. Dennis, that was unbelievable. I could watch that video all day long. He dug his left skate in on that shootout, and the head fake, it was just, yeah. And, that's, and John, he says that's his move. So I, I'd like to see it over and over again. That's truly his move. 
Yeah, he he didn't he didn't really want to talk about it. He no, was like, it was almost like he was offended that I asked the. It was question. like was very like, matter of fact, like, John. You're right. He's yeah, like, yeah, very matter. It's my move, and you know, I just nailed it. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it was oh, yeah, I mean, in fantastic. live, in person, in real time, it was an absolute thing of beauty. One of my all-time favorite. I can't say it's my favorite because Colton Yellowhorn mm-hmm. still is the best shootout role of all time in Ontario. When he came off the bench and said, watch what I'm going to do, guys. I'm going to score. He went out and did this ridiculously crazy move that can never be repeated if you tried it 100 times and he scored. So Yellowhorn still gets the best uh, shootout goal of all time. But, man, Tyler Madden, that's a top three oh, yeah. shootout goal. Uh, you know, Kopey, when he's on and he does the can openers, you know, that's pretty cool too. But, uh, man, Tyler Madden, that was just, like you said, he dug that foot in. Uh, into in into the ice there. It was, it and was you know what the beauty of that shootout goal is, John? Like it, it's just as good when it's run, when you run it in slow motion. Like even yeah. at full speed or in slow motion, it's still you know it's a thing of beauty for sure. Yeah. And as Robo mentioned after the game that night, it was good for them to get an ugly win, right? You know they're they're all not going to be pretty. Right. Sometimes you have to gut one out, and that was that was not an exciting game to watch. No. Nope. Uh, but you know the, if it was a regular season game, the team would have walked away with two points, and you bank those, and that's good. And uh, look, Turk was a little bit banged up in that game as well, uh, and, and and I think QB was as well, and that's one of the reasons that I thought that perhaps both of those players would be sitting out mm-hmm. the next day, along with the short turnaround, Dennis, that we talked yes. about uh, a couple of times, which is you know that was a game Sunday night, right? And the following game uh, was the next morning at eleven o'clock, sure. so not a lot of time for rest and recovery. Uh, but nonetheless, QB was in the lineup. And Turk was resting, and that's okay because, like I said, with Kapari and Fagamo out, most of your top guys were only going to be scheduled for two of sure. the three games. Um, Hellenius, uh, not Hellenius, I'm so sorry. Uh, Granz, I'm so sorry there. Gron, he wasn't in the tournament, guys. But uh, Granz had a couple teeth knocked out, yep. and so he missed as well. And defensively speaking, Granz and Spence, to me, are the real stories coming out of this tournament mm-hmm. because... We all sort of at this point, after 41 games in Ontario last year, we kind of know or we think we know what to expect from a Byfield or a Turka, sure. you know, Kaliev and so on, uh, Kapari. You know, so they showed well, but they were expected to show well. For me, uh, as somebody who tracks the prospects closely, Spence and Granz both exceeded my expectations in the tournament for a couple of different reasons. One, we hear a lot about the size of Spence and how is it going to translate mm-hmm. to the NHL, right? Uh, and, and he was so smooth. He, he was the best defenseman for the Kings over the weekend. And Granz coming over from Europe, you always wonder about how guys are going to adjust to the ice size. But um, he, he adjusted very well uh, to the North American ice size uh, and, and can't wait to see more of him in Ontario. Uh, but in, in the, So in the third game, Dennis, uh, Byfield started the game, didn't finish the game. Um, I'm, I'm hearing, as I've reported, it's more illness-related than it is injury-related, so that's good. Uh, we'll see where this goes. Mm-hmm. He wasn't on the ice today for Game 1, but um, could be back fairly soon. Anybody – I know who my player is, but I'll ask you first. Anybody, anybody who stood out for you in that final game? Um, no, I, again, I'll go back to the goaltending. Parikh I thought was really good, yep. and I think that's it. But I, I agree. I concur on Spence. And Grons didn't look out of place. That, that's what you want to see because you mentioned about the transition to – the NHL North American size rings and things of that nature. But to me, it was, uh, I'll go back to Parry because I, I just think this that him and Ingram in, the first, in those two games were really solid. Yeah, uh, Sammy Fagamo. I can't, I can't not mention him, mm-hmm. TV, because 
he took a couple of penalties early in that yep. game, and I don't know if it was frustration. I don't know if it was exhaustion from playing. Actually, no, he was out the game before, so I don't know what it was. But he uh, he was clearly – something was going on because he was taking penalties early on in that game. And then in the second half, he was just a man possessed and determined. And, you know, he, he got a goal. He got a goal, and, you know, yep. He was just really – he was on fire in the second half of that game, and uh, that's the Sammy Fagamo that you know I think we've become accustomed to. Can't wait to see how this whole thing uh, plays out, um, you know, once once the AHL season gets going. Uh, but we'll talk more about that on the other side of the break, Dennis, because we have fourteen players, excuse me, thirteen players that are vying for four spots, and I think that we need to talk about that for just a few minutes Absolutely. when we talk about LA Kings training camp on the other side of the break. Okay, welcome back. Second period, Kings of the podcast. Dennis, as we get into the LA Kings, I want to start with what I think is the most important thing that took place this entire summer related to the LA Kings organization, and that is that Cal Peterson made good on his promise. He came on Kings of the podcast. He said he was going to keep the Stauber tribute, you know, sort of feel Mm -hmm. to his mask. Oh, Dennis, he more than delivered. That is a thing of art. That is a beautiful, beautiful mask, and I'm going to argue, arguably the best-looking L.A. Kings mask in the 50-plus-year history of the organization. So you see that on social media. That's that's quite – and for someone that loves that stuff, that's that's quite a compliment. Uh, for sure. I mean, when you talk the history of L.A. Kings masks, Rob Stauber, of course, was the best mask of all time, or masks. Uh, and then if you want to talk the organization, you know, the L.A. Kings organization, including prospects, you would have to throw in J.F. Berube. He had several – gorgeous masks uh probably the best of all of them would have been the tribute mask where he had rogi on one side and luke on the other side that was again just a great mask so um but wow cal has really knocked it out of the park and dennis i don't know if you saw my tweet cal from what i hear through a little birdie even has another great mask on the way because the kings are coming out with their new third jersey their new alternate jersey and he has a special mask to go along with that alternate jersey. that's what i'm hearing so uh, I mean, man, I don't, I don't know how he's going to top this one, but uh, I can't, I can't wait to see it. So, speaking of Cal Peterson, uh, earlier in the summer, Dennis, we had reported that the Kings were looking to get a deal done with him prior to the mm-hmm. start of the season, and uh, right on time, they delivered it. So there you go, Cal's locked up for three more years, five million uh, per season, and a little, little bit of weirdness, not weirdness, but a little bit of interesting math with the way the money worked out. Uh, and I was going to ask you, Dennis, uh, off air, but I'll just mm-hmm. now on air. You would ask him the question about what does it feel like now to be able to afford a house. I don't know if you noticed how the money deal worked. He's getting most of his money up front the first two yep. years in as signing bonus. Right. So, <laughs> yes, he needs that money to be able to afford a house sure. and, and rather than stretching it out, right? Because right. if, if, if you don't get the signing bonus in July, if you instead get your $5 million over a full season, you get it kind of like an equal payment right. throughout the whole year. But by getting signing, signing bonus, bonus, you get it on July first. You get, 1st you get a bunch year. of cash up front, yep. and then your and then your paychecks are actually smaller. So he'll be able to uh, to get a nice little pad down there in the South Bay, hopefully pretty soon. Just a reminder, and not that it really matters, John, but if nothing changes with respect to the net next season, ten point eight million dollar cap hit next season for the net. But they'll have, still have twenty three or twenty four million dollars in cap space. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry about no, it. I, just, I know where you're going yeah. there, though. Is that is he is is there a buyout candidate or is there a trade possibility? Um, the, the the other thing would be though, Dennis, that that five million on on quick is going to be offset by several of their yeah. uh, 
players on entry level teams, and, Turcotte, Caliev, et cetera, yeah. coming in. Mm-hmm. And so that's how that's Yeah, how yeah, and not I don't think anybody's going to blow up at the end of the entry level deal that they have to pay. Plus, uh, if we want to talk about a Jonathan Quick buyout, because the base salary is two and a half, half million, it's only like a savings mm-hmm. of 1.4 million if they would buy him out at the end of this season. So it doesn't really make any sense. I don't think there's – unless he revives his game, I don't think there's going to be a trade possibility. So, But it's just it's just an interesting dynamic. There's this team that – you know, we've talked about it. Todd talked about it today in, in quote-unquote development developmental stage would have $10.8 million dedicated in a cap hit next season. Well, I think it's the same reason why you can afford to pay Philippe to know the money you can over the next right, three years because you're – you're balancing yeah. that with the money that you're paying Quentin Byfield. Right, so you're banking them together, that, right. and that's kind of how you make Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody, they are not buying out Jonathan Quick. <laughs> hey, everybody, they are not trading Jonathan Quick. We're a year away from uh, worrying about any of that stuff. Yeah. So let's just move on. And uh, I, I did like the dance, though, that Todd McClellan was doing oh, yeah. when asked about Cap danced a lot, because, John, actually, not just for, our Cal. For people that don't, for, well, for people that don't know, Cal Peterson was the starting goaltender last year. Just look at the number of games that Cal played versus the number of games mm-hmm. that Quickie played. And so while Todd wouldn't come out today and say that Cal is the number one guy and he wants more from Cal, et cetera, um, Cal will get more starts than Jonathan Quick this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb right now, DB, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim that. Um, I don't think it's a 50-50 situation, and probably the best you could get out of McClellan was him when he was talking about quick and the number of games he's played and trying to kind of give him enough rest over an 82 game season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if it's a 40, 40 split, then to be honest, that means that Cal Peterson underachieved. And so I don't, I don't think it's going to be no doubt about it. Yep. Okay. Um, impressions. Uh, before we get to kind of reactions to some of the interviews uh, today, the way that it worked is you had uh, one group on the ice first, they're just running through some drills. And then there was a two period, actually it wasn't two periods. It was two separate scrimmages. Mm-hmm at least based on the way they did the scoreboard. Right. Um, so there was a 30-minute running time scrimmage. They took an intermission. They came back and did a second 30-minute running time uh, scrimmage. Uh, Wagner scored the first goal of training camp for those that are keeping score at home. Um, and just Martin Furk had a goal. Uh, any any just overall impressions from the scrimmage, or you want to get right into the comments that some of the players were Yeah, making? the only thing that you think of, and Todd poo-pooed it, of course, tap danced around it, is that you had Victor Arvidsson on the left side with Kopitar and Brown. But other than that, yeah, let's just go to the comments and talk about the impre- uh, you know what the players told us today. Well, let me you just sort of react sure. to that, TV, because I thought it was interesting that he was playing certain guys on the off wing, which Arvidsson plays both sides. Right. Brown technically plays both right. sides as well, so it wasn't as prevalent on that line. But on the other, on the second line, they definitely were playing on their off wing because you had uh, – Alex Ayafalo, who is a left wing, playing on the right side, and you had Tikachev, who's a mm-hmm. right wing, playing on the left side. So you did have both players playing, or both lines. You had your four wingers playing on their offside. It's also funny, TB, because um, we we had assumed that Arvidsson was brought in to play with Kopitar. That's what I had heard, and that's where I've been projecting him. You know, whenever I put these lineups mm-hmm. together over the summer, and the question really became, well, do you slide Brown over? and have him play on the left side and keep Brown and Kopitar right, together? Right. Or do you uh, move Ayafalo down the line? And you can make the argument either way because there are advantages to, to both of those scenarios. I mean, in one sense, you have to kind of look at Dustin Brown and go, look, don't talk about his age. Talk about the fact that he led the team in goals last year. So why are you moving him to the second line, right? Yeah. He kind of deserves the first-line role. Yeah, it's funny because the possession numbers on Brown – when you move him away from Ayafalo and Kopitar, his numbers go down, but so do Kopitar and Ayafalo. So if you're an advanced stat geek, 
you got to look at that as well. And I think you dismiss you dismiss the age. And Dustin wants to keep playing, and he wants to get paid. He doesn't. Dustin Brown don't, don't want to do a uh, a Corey Perry next season. Corey Perry. Yeah, he doesn't want him to come in for one year, one million. He doesn't. He wants to be a productive part of this team. Wants to help him make the postseason, sure. and wants to get paid. Look, I, he's, I, he's not going to be a six million dollar winger. But to me, that I think that's the, his influence on that line with respect to possession. I would think you would, John, you would want to keep one line intact from last season. That would be it. But I don't know, Rob. You know, uh, Todd said like pay no attention to the combinations today. And I granted, there's a, a ton of players on the ice and things of that nature. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Not only the, you mentioned the battle for the bottom six, but how the top six actually lines up on opening night against Vegas. I took that as a jab at me uh, when he said that because he was like, hey, you can keep putting those projected lineups together, uh, but I don't even know who the opening night, opening night lineup is, which I also chuckle because, yes, yes coach, you do know who the course. opening night lineup right. is at this point. Um, it's narrowed down, which we can get into in just a sure. minute. Uh, or you, you know pretty damn close within a player or two. Um, it's not like it's all wide open. See, Dennis, I, I kind of go back and forth. There's the part of me that wants to say, okay, leave that top line together because – at least there's a little bit of chemistry and entering into the season. But then there's another part of me that goes, no, don't leave that top line together because you know what? We've seen that top line long enough. We know what it is. They can go back to it if they need to at some point. But for right now, all brand new lines as kind of a, uh, like the symbolic way of saying, this is a new era mm-hmm. in LA Kings hockey. Everything is new. Let's go. That's, that's, that's kind of, I think that's where I'm at right now with it. I, I don't want Ayafalo, Kopitar, and Brown back together at this moment. Save that in your back pocket if you need to and go to it at the 10-game mark. I, I think it's a question, and Todd touched on this, John, of, of how they're going to play. The, one of the takeaways I got is that, and I mentioned, I asked him about playing off the rush, and, and the uh-huh. one thing that he mentioned after that in, in answering that question was this team needs to be more aggressive. Like I think you've mm-hmm. I think you've signed up as the first two games last season against Minnesota where they took their foot off the gas. Um, I, I just yep. think that this has got to be a more aggressive team. It's got to be a more confident team too. But I, I, I'm I, I think you would start with some familiarity. You want to you, know, you want to do the blender and start everybody new and give other give the opposition something different to to defend against off the bat. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's a possibility as well. But I, I, and even Kobe said he said, look, we have the luxury if it's going to be Arvidsson, that we can go back to Alex if it's not working. So I think that's the one thing about this team is that, John, they finally do have options up front, and there could be combinations right. that, that might be productive on the top six. So I think that's one of my takeaways from today. Yeah, I think it's it's a situation also, DB, where it's not completely new. It's not like Kopitar is going to have two right, new wingers. Of course, right. It's basically you're, you're going to have a familiar pair. So it's either going to be – Kopitar and Brown playing with Arvidsson or Kopitar and Ayafalo playing with Arvidsson. Mm-hmm. So you're only getting one third, right. but that one third is enough to make the line new. And like you said, it makes it something different that other teams are now going to have to defend. Yeah. And well, I'll tell you this, DB, it sure sounds like everybody was excited to play with Arvidsson as well. Yeah. So Ayafalo probably wants to play with them. Brownie probably wants to play with them. We know that Kopitar wants to play with them. Even Drew was talking up Arvidsson today and about how excited he was. And he said in the first minute he was able to kind of see how how he gets a, he's available to receive a yeah. pass. And, and he likes the style that he plays and the tenacity and the aggression, which is also something that um, McClellan mentioned as well. So there are some options among the yeah. top six. Uh, you know, And how Tikachev is going to factor into all of this, Dennis, is – a very fascinating piece because if he makes the team, he is most likely playing alongside Phil Deneau, mm-hmm. which, you know, now you have to go, okay, not only are there ramifications from a roster perspective 
in terms of you just took a roster spot from one of these bubble players, but also who plays on that line with them because you have Adrian Kempe, who's right, right. there, and you're going to have the, I'm going to call it the leftover of Brown and, and Ayafalo as well. So if Brown or Ayafalo drops off the top sure. line, you basically have four players contending for that second line, and if two of them automatically become Deneau and Tikachev, you're basically saying, well, who's the third guy mm -hmm. on the second line? It's either Brown or Kempe, and whoever the odd man out is there, Drops that down. guy's now dropping down to the third line. So options, as you said, Dennis. Yep. Uh, let's, let's run through a couple of the other players that we spoke with today. We did talk with Phil Deneau. Nothing really stood out to me too much about what he said other than one thing, Dennis, which is it was very clear to me he's done talking about the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. He he turned the page over the summer. He's done. He, you know, all due respect. He loved his time. Oh, there. Yeah. He appreciated his time there, all that stuff. But that he now sees himself as a member of the L.A. Kings to the point that he even indicated it wasn't that weird being out there today and seeing himself in a Kings jersey. He's This is just, this is his team now. Yeah, and I think he, he probably welcomes not having 20 media at his stall or wherever you're going to do the media availabilities. Um, and, yeah, he, he's clipped, and he's taking on a different role, John. You know, there's always that, that mm -hmm. question, like, what was he in Montreal? Was he a 2-3 two, two or 3 seat to start at least? He knows what his role is. So I think there's some stability there, and, and I agree with you. I think that uh, some players, um, much as I love Montreal and I'm in the market that they're on the radio and uh, I've been there and I love the city, I, I think it's a welcome relief for some players to move on. And, you know, Phil's played in the West before, and so he can you – know, he's compared. He said there's really not too much difference between the two conferences. But, yeah, I think he's certainly comfortable in this role, and he's ready to play. But I agree with you, John. The, the, the book's been closed on the chapter on, on him, Phil Deneau, as a Montreal Canadian. It was sort of funny when he um, was saying, because I, I think he's one of the very few players that would say there's not a difference between the East and the West, right? Yeah. So he was just like, hey, hey, it's all the same to me. And I was oh, that's interesting. Most people talk about the difference between Eastern Conference versus the sure. the Western Conference. Um, Alex Iafalo, uh look, the headline there was talking about uh, they have to step on people's throats, yep. uh, which, of course, in the first two games last year, they didn't do that. They took their foot off the gas. And losing out on those those points against Minnesota did make a difference. But um, I follow to me was different, Dennis. I mean, I think he said more in the five minutes there at the table than he did when we had him on the podcast for 20 yep. minutes. He he was just more comfortable in his own skin today. It's the only way that I could describe it. Did you did you get a similar opinion? Yeah, I think. Well, part of it is or impression. Yeah, the, the part of it's the stability. The part of it is he has an extension as well, so he's into that next contract. So he he's not he can focus on his game. And the one thing to me that he said is that as much as you like that player and he's the first guy in, he four checks well, and he's had great chemistry with Kopitar and Brown. What did he say? I need to score more. I want to score yep, more goals. Yep. That that to me <laughs> yeah. that was really impressive. Not like okay, I need to play my game. Like my game, I need to score more goals. So that was the big takeaway. I'm like, oh okay. Well, somebody talked to him. Look, mm -hmm. the team obviously needs, needs more offense. But to me, that was a pretty big, significant takeaway. I don't think that's something that Alex would have said last season or any of the previous seasons, John. I agree. And he was. It wasn't just a passing comment. He was very specific yes. to point out. It's it's a part of my game that I worked on tremendously over the summer. Like he, it wasn't just a comment. He's he was he's yep. committed to the idea. So that was interesting. Um, I do want to save Drew Doughty for last. Uh, so that leaves us with Arvidsson and Kopitar. Um, Arvidsson, to me, uh, <laughs> this is sort of my thing. He's like. Almost like, well, what do you guys want to talk about? Oh, that's what you want to talk about? Okay, here, just give me the answers. Okay, yeah, I'm good. Like, I just want to play hockey. Like, yeah. It was, he was, he was not rude. I mean, don't try to read into what I'm saying. He wasn't rude or anything. He was just very matter of fact about like, 
look, this is what we do. This is, you know, we go out, we do this, we execute. And uh, he talked about the success they had in Nashville. And he was like, look, when everybody does their job, that's when you have a, a team that's going to be set up for success. And he was just very matter of fact in everything that he was like a machine almost. Mm -hmm. Dennis was the impression that I was getting listening to him. It was, it was nice. I liked it. Okay. But we're never going to get those. He's not going to approach Drew Doughty level with respect to the quality of the quotes, John. So he's just, you know, I asked him. <laughs> no, yeah. but well, okay. I asked him like this. There's, there's a steep drop off in the LA Kings locker room from the yeah, sort know, of uh, Drew Doughty, which is the gold standard. And we used to have a ton of guys at the gold standard inside that locker room that we could talk with. Yeah. Right? We had, we've talked about this on the program. We had the Jared Stoles and the Willie Mitchells that you and I like to speak with back in the day. And all those guys, I mean, you know, Matt Green, I mean, the list goes on and on, and Penner, et cetera. And there's been a real drop yeah. off. You go to these kids that are full of cliches and they don't have confidence and all that stuff. You know, there's a big gap. And now, to me, there's this machine was inserted <laughs> into the uh, into the process. He he said and did all the right things, um, but it wasn't it wasn't cliche. It was sincere, but intense. Yeah, to me, he, it was yes, kind of intense. Yes. Intense, focused, whatever you want to call, it, but I agree. But and, yeah. and very direct, but not like you're right, mm -hmm. not in a rude way. Yeah, he was a different person than he was when we had him on the podcast. If everybody remembers, soon after the trade, Victor Arvidsson came on Kings of the Podcast. Mm -hmm. He was kind of loose, and we had some fun with him. But yeah, he was a machine today. That's my definition. Uh, Kopitar, I don't, I don't know if you had this impression, Dennis, but I was looking at him while he was talking today, and I was thinking. He looks so much older. And I didn't, I don't mean like old. I just mean he looked like a man. Like mm -hmm. he, he was just, um, he just had a different look, a different aura. He was, he was, it was like a guy that was leading from the front. It wasn't, it oh, was like the a Kopitar captain? that I'm used to seeing. Yeah. He was just, he was very, not stern, but he was, he was like serious. He mm -hmm. was confident. He was outgoing. He was, you know, like, he just sometimes gives across, you know, that that sort of laissez-faire kind of, mm -hmm. you know, chill. Um, not like a surfer dude, but he's just, you know, a little bit reserved. Today he was not that. Today he was very. He was he was leading from the front. I, I don't I know any other way to say it, Dennis. I was just I was very impressed with both Kopitar and Drew, but I'll stick with Kopitar for now. Um, was there anything that he said that 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 sort of stuck out to you? No, he was more with respect to talking about postseason. He was pretty conservative he he was as and drew we can talk about drew in a second but he said like we need to be in the mix at the at in the home stretch that that's as far as he would go mm -hmm. with respect and i asked him directly about postseason he said we need to be in mm -hmm. the mix come you know the home stretch which is fine and you know it's, yeah i agree I, I think this is clearly the the leader of the team and i just john i just think he's tired of losing i think he's like I, he's not as vocal as drew i just think he's mm -hmm. he's over not you know being close or being in the mix or not playing games of importance down the stretch. And as I understand, he's in great shape. He worked out and, and stayed lean in the summertime. But I, I just think that the, the veterans on this team are, are just over the fact that they haven't been a contender. And I think that's the, that's the essence I took away from Kopi. It's like, I'm all business. We need to be better. And we need to start on time this season from day one. Okay. So let me say it a different way then, DB. Sure. Because when I hear you say it that way, I think it gives more color to what I'm saying. He had looked at times over the last couple of seasons like he was carrying the weight of the world. And that probably had to do with all the changes in the organization, sure. the rebuild, the losing, et cetera. He, 
he was not that way today. Mm -hmm. He was confident and he yep. was he was gotcha. excited. Like I mean, Kopitar is not an excitable guy, but he was excited. To me, he 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 expressed genuine happiness and he was really looking forward to the season, the 82 games, the whole thing. Um that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, was, I, it was there was a different different aura. And I I think the fact that, you know, this is the first day of camp, but he skated with these players for the last couple of weeks. I I think that Deneau's presence will pare down his look, John, he can't play 21 minutes a night for 82 games. He just can't. Like the diminishing returns that will happen half in the second half of the season, it just won't happen. I think Arvidsson gives him a, a guy who's going to shoot the puck. And you mentioned that Drew said Arvidsson shot the puck three times in the first minute of the game. I, I just think that he sees the additions, the refresh, the refresh from these players who are established. Uh, I just think it gives him a different outlook as he steps into the season this season. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is interesting. Um, and you are right. He, he did say when it came to the playoffs, he, he was kind of a little more reserved. I mean, as expected. Right, of course, yeah. Are, uh, compared, compared, to, compared to Drew. But the most impressive player to me, Dennis, was Drew Dowd. Mm -hmm. I thought that this was by far the most mature Drew that we have seen. He was intelligent, articulate. Uh, he, he was a great communicator. He was thoughtful, um, just very impressed with Drew Doughty today. The way that he answered the questions, there was a lot of the same Drew Doughty, right? He talked about, he, he has three kind of constant themes that he comes into camp with, mm -hmm. uh, and I was expecting him to come into camp with. He talked about the need and want to make the playoffs and all, all that goes with that, right? Turning the page, right. forgetting about the past, inter, you know, injecting youth, and he loves the acquisitions that they made, but it's all about the LA Kings and making the playoffs. Then secondly, it's talking about his individual game. He, you know, he did a lot to uh, take care of his body, he feels. He's eating better. He's training better. He's resting more. And he feels that he's prepared. He was very clear that, hey, I'm a, I'm a young 31. Mm -hmm. I'm not an old man. I thought last season was one of my best seasons. Yep. I'm hyper prepared to come in and have another great season this year. Um, you know, I set goals for myself. I'm not checked out. Like, I'm fully engaged, right? So it's all about him. And, and the march to become uh, a Norris Trophy candidate again. And then the third theme, of course, is the Olympics. And he, he lit up, if you ask me, when I asked yeah. him about the Olympics, and he was very excited to talk about that. He wants to play for Team Canada. He has He's made that very open as well. So those three things or themes were there, but I just liked the maturity. And I thought, Dennis, you probably asked the best question of the day um, at the end mm -hmm. there when you asked him about how fatherhood has changed him and he talked about um i forget the term that he used what did he say uh he didn't say smart ass but something to that effect he's, that he was he, that he was um he's a baby i think he was a hot yeah he's a hothead right what did he say I think he said it was this um, it wasn't the he said didn't he say was a baby like sometimes he was a baby no he said a baby but he also said it was a word that started with an s mm -hmm. uh it wasn't a slap head i forget what it was it was some it was like he blended two phrases together and made up his own. I forgot what exactly what he said. I'll have to go back and listen to the audio. But the point was, he basically admitted. He was like, hey, man, I, I, I had a short temper, and I would get yeah. hot, and I would I would carry that over, and it, it, it would impact my game. And he was like, you know, I really feel that I've changed that. I'm still very – but he pointed out, I'm still very competitive. I still get very angry, right? So, but it was just the way that he answered it was a very self-aware um, – Mm -hmm. Sort of Drew Doughty, and I just I can't say enough good things about him today, uh, Dennis. I was just very impressed. I thought that it was the most impressive Drew Doughty um, that that we've spoken. Yeah, to. towards the question that I did ask him about fatherhood, I think he's found balance. 
I think he, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that some players, when they have a bad game and a team does perform well, they take it home with them. I think that Drew has been, I think you talk about the world, the, the, the weight of the world lifting off Kopitar's shoulders. I think the same thing is with Drew because Drew said he goes home and he plays with his two girls and it, it's, there is more to life than hockey, but he was, like you said, he reminded us that doesn't make him any less competitive or burn the win or want to make the Olympics or want to be a Norris Trophy candidate. But he understands that he could and, and John helps him because if you're really like that upset all the time about your performance with the team, it, it it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I think that mm-hmm. at thirty one well, it's thirty two, he's found balance in his life. And I, I think you become a yeah. happier, productive player and person um when when that happens. And that's what family provides for everybody. We both have great families and, and I think it, it, it reassures us and I think that you can go home and just say, okay, I stunk, but here are my two girls, and you know there is more to life than that. But I can come back the next day energized and raring to go. So I, I agree with you. I think there's a, a level of maturity uh, with respect to the answers. And I agree, John. You could be mature and still burn and say, we got to make the playoffs, right? And and and, mm-hmm. and and he was happy about the additions that were made. And I went, you know, I ended up point blank, like, are you happy with the ads that were made? And he goes, yes, I am. And so I agree with you, John. I, I think his performance, and look, we've had a lot of great daddy press conferences, and I think that we're not in the locker room, so that probably helps him as well. But uh, just all kidding aside, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think that that was something that was uh, a new level of maturity that, you know, the, the one concern I have, John, is that if the team doesn't start well, how's Drew going to react, right? He says all the right things right now, but the record's oh oh and oh. If they, if they don't mm-hmm. start well out of the box, how is Drew going to react? And that's my one question. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think on the face of it, what the way he handled us today and the questions were, were, really, were really great. All right, so calm down, negative Nelly. Let's, let's, let's save the negativity for 10 games into the <laughs> season. Let's, you know, let's, let's keep the mood uh, at an elevated level for the time being, Dennis. There's a lot of excitement. There's seven preseason games to play. NHL hockey is back. The fans are going to be in the building. It's going to be great. Before we wrap up the second period, Dennis, I do want to just circle back on – um, the roster yeah, as we talked sure. about it. So 14, 14 spots are available at forward, seven spots available on defense, and uh, uh, you would have, you would assume, um, two goaltending yeah. spots. So the two goaltending spots are the easiest ones to solve for me. It's Quick and Peterson. Yep. The defense is uh, six of the seven are easy to solve for, right, because you know that Dowdy, Anderson, Bjornfoot, Roy, Walker, and Edler are going to make the team. The question is, who becomes mm-hmm. the seventh defenseman? Is it going to be Kale Clegg? Is it going to be Christian Wolanin, who I think is a sleeper in the conversation? Or is it going to be Oli Mata? And if you want to say, well, it's going to be Kale Clegg, um, that means that the other two players are going waivers. on waivers. Essentially, whoever you pick, the other two are going on right. waivers. That's one of the reasons why I believe Oli Mata is a good trade candidate. If another team uh, loses a defenseman, which happens every year yep. around the league in camp, and if they do, Rob Blake needs to be on the phone and trying to work a deal because uh, Clegg – and Wolanin can be the seventh and eighth defenseman. I think you're not giving up much. And mm-hmm. uh, Mata of those three probably has the most trade value. But the most intriguing story, or the more intriguing story, is really up front, right? So you're going to sure. have uh, 12 players, right, uh, plus two scratches, so 14 forwards. And the guys that I put down in the article today, it's on the front of Mayor's Manor, um, that already kind of have guaranteed their spot or punched their ticket would be and I'll come back to one of them in a moment. Leah Sanderson, Athanasiu, Arvidsson, Brown, Deneau, Ayafalo, Kempe, Kopitar, Moore, and Velarde. 
Now, somebody might say, well, why is Leah Anderson in that group? He, you know, he needs to earn that spot. Well, he's out of waivers, and I don't think that you make the trade to get yeah. him and then spend all last year grooming him to be an NHL player with your LA Kings organization to then just end up putting him on waivers. And I also don't think that there are enough guys behind him um, that can push challenge him out him. of a spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why, yeah, and challenge him at this point. Uh, that doesn't mean that by January 1st, right. he's still on the team, Dennis, because I think that the competition doesn't just, uh, you know, it's not just in training camp. It's not just for the opening night roster because some guys are going to end up earning opening night roster spots by virtue of the fact that a Turcotte, for example, can go back to the AHL without having to right. pass through waivers. That's a management but standpoint, right? Keep a very close eye on Ontario in October, November, December because those guys are pushing for jobs and they are going to push some of those bubble players that, woof, they made it onto the opening sure. night roster, but they're not going to make it past the trade deadline because they're going to be exited out of the organization in January and February to make room for those guys. But the point of it is, Dennis, and I'm trying to move along quickly here uh, for the sake of time, uh, There are thir- that leaves 13 players <laughs> fighting for the final four spots, right? So of all the names that I just read you, those guys already have their yep. spot in the forward group. That only leaves four open spots. Now, look at the names. Listen to this list of 13 players. Uh, Jared Anderson-Dolan, Byfield, Fagamo, Ferk, Grunstrom, Kaliev, Kapari, Lemieux, Lazat, Madden, Tikachev, Turcot, and Wagner. It's 13 guys that there's only four spots available. Mm-hmm. Again, Jod, Byfield, Fagamo, Ferk, Grunstrom, Kaliev, Kapari, Lemieux, Lazat, Madden, Tikachev, Turcotte, and Wagner. Only four of those guys get to make the opening night roster. Now, what I've done, Dennis, is I've said that you can divide that group into two groups, a group A and a group B. If you right. if you go with uh if you go with group A and say Anderson Dolan, Byfield, Fagamo, Kaliev, Kapari, Madden, Tikachev, and Turcotte, all of those guys can go to the sure. uh, AHL without without going waivers, through waivers. Right. So if Blake was to go the the safest, the easiest, right, whatever, the path of least resistance and just send them all to Ontario, you end up with group B, which is you end up with Ferk, Grunstrom, Lemieux, Lazat, Wagner. Now, that's five names I just gave you. Mm-hmm. Ferk, Grunstrom, Lemieux, Lazat, Wagner. Five names. There's only four roster right. spots. So one of those guys is still going on waivers. So at least one forward is going on waivers. Correct. Dennis, right. At least one. And then now if you tell me that Tikachev – ends up making the roster, that means that he's taking one of the roster spots from those those five in Group B. So now there's two forwards going on, mm-hmm. right? And if you tell me, I don't know, pick anybody. If you tell me Jod makes the opening night roster or Byfield, feel, yeah. right? Which you would feel, you would figure that those two guys would be the next two among that group right. that I read. Th- those two would be ahead of, let's say, Madden or Turcotte. Sure. Um, if Byfield and, and, and Jod make the opening night roster... There, that means that there's two other guys right. that are going to be going on waivers. The Kings literally could have five forwards, <laughs> Dennis. They could have five forwards that end up on waivers because right, it, it right. is possible yep. that that Ferk, Grunstrom, Lemieux, Lazat, and Wagner all go on waivers. Correct. I wouldn't say it's likely, but it's it could possible. happen. You're right, absolutely, John. Because I mean, you could have Tikachev make the roster. There's one. You could have Jod make the roster. There's two. You could have Byfield make the mm-hmm. roster. There's three. You could have Kapari make the roster. There's four. Now, does Kaliev make it? Does Turcotte make it? Mm-hmm. I mean, if if one of them did, there's five guys right there, and that puts five forwards on 
uh, on waivers. And people go, oh, well, that's poor asset management. They need, you need to trade for them. You know, nah, guys, there's no value. The there's no value. Who's going to trade for these players to put them? No They've, their rosters are fairly set. Other teams are going through the same thing the Kings are going through. They're trying to pare their guys down because they have players to put on waivers as well. You know, maybe you could trade Martin Furk. Maybe. Maybe, maybe you could trade Blake Lazat. Maybe. Maybe you could trade Lemieux. Maybe. See, I, I think Lemieux. Can you trade Grunstrom? No. Waivers. I, no, I, I think Lemieux makes the team because he's the one physical presence they yeah. have. You know, Strand's not going to make the team. Max gone. So I, I think that that I, if I had to bet one of those five not going on waivers, to me it would be Lemieux. Not that he would play most nights, but I just think that that, mm-hmm. that facet of his game isn't really contained in anybody else, and I think that's probably why he stands a better chance to make the team out of the camp. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. But then but then now you're down to four yeah, guys yeah. fighting. Well, I get it. Well, more than four guys because all of the guys in Group A too, but you're you're down to at least four, Ferk, Grunstrom, mm-hmm. Lazat, and Wagner now fighting for three spots. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting. Uh, we'll wrap this period up, DB. It'll be also be interesting to watch the progression of how the rosters are put together for these seven preseason games. From what I understand, the Kings are going to be a little more aggressive in doing their training camp cuts than they have been in years past. In years past, they've let a lot of guys sort of linger around, taking sort of longer looks mm-hmm. at guys and things like that. And from what I understand, that's not the case right now. They want to get down to sort of a manageable group, right. and you don't want to have 13 guys fighting for four spots. Sure. That's yeah. not helping Doesn't anybody. help anybody, right. If there's four spots, they want to get down to like six or seven guys really competing for those four spots. And so there's going to be there are going to be some cuts coming sooner rather than later. Um, and they could come as early as this weekend, which would mean after the uh, after the game in Ontario, the uh, black and white mm-hmm. game, and it could be before the very first game of the preseason even takes place, Dennis. So that's something to keep an eye on, and the complexion of how he put uh, how Todd puts the lines together, because he said today he wants to keep them together for a little while and doesn't want to just you know on day two of training camp doesn't want to break up the Kopitar Arvidsson Brown line and and put RV with. Uh, with Deneau or anything like that. He wants to keep some of the lines together. Sure. So have to keep a close eye on, on how those lines are put together. But uh, the first group or second, even the first or second group of roster cuts, I think is going to be going to be very telling. DB, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back to the third period. You ready for true false? I'm certainly ready for it, John. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Back in a second. To the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Okay, Kings of the Podcast, third period. Dennis Bernstein, time is flying, but here's the beauty of it. We do not get charged extra if we run over. So <laughs> sorry that the second period uh, lasted a little bit longer. Um, that's okay. We're still going to give you the third period here. We um, On our last episode when uh, Akil Thomas was on, or maybe it was an episode before that, we had a lot of fun. We did a true-false segment that was uh, taken from NHL Network Radio. Uh, Boomer and Jake did an episode. I think it was like 35 or 38 questions of true-false, all related to uh, teams around the NHL. So it was not Kings-specific. But, um, DB, you and I had almost the exact same thought after airing the episode, (laughs) which is, hey, what if we had 
um, some, you know, kings or even ducks, uh, true, false type questions, and could we tackle those? So we put out a tweet. We asked people to uh, reply. So let's just run through them, DB, and see uh, how many of these we agree on and how many we disagree. And uh, they're in no particular order. I'm just going down the list of uh, how they Beautiful. came in on Twitter. So uh, true or false, with the Dino acquisition, Kobe's time on ice goes down this year, but his points per game increases. True. I'm going to say true as well. We saw that when some of the defensive responsibilities were taken away from Dustin Brown uh, recently, that his right. offensive production increased. And I'm expecting the same thing with uh, with respect to Kopitar. Okay, true, false. The Kings will be in the bottom five in scoring this season. False. I'm going to say false as well, but I kind of chuckled when I when I looked at it because I thought, who cares? I mean, even if they're fifth in the league, right, you know, uh, from the bottom, uh, more importantly, did they make the playoffs? That's what I right. wanted to know because, uh, you know, <clears throat> the playoffs are a completely different a different beast, as we know. So, uh, But, sure, I, I, I'm going to say false. They're going to be able to generate more offense this year. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Next up, true, false. Sean Walker will end the season with the L.A. Kings. True. I went back and forth on this because – I don't necessarily think that Sean Walker is long for the Kings. When I look at the the right side and I see that Brant Clark is coming, I see that Brock Faber is coming, and I think both those players will be here sooner rather than later. I think they'll have a very short apprenticeship, very similar to Mikey Anderson. Um, I don't think these are three- to five-year players before they make an impact mm -hmm. in the NHL. But given that neither of those players are ready now, that would then – this is a long-winded answer, TV, but that would then yeah. lead me to Jordan Spence and or – Helga Granz, and do I think either of those players will be ready at the midseason point? And I'm going to say probably not. And I'm also going to say if Walker was traded at the trade deadline, the first half of the season went very, very wrong for the L.A. Kings. Um, so I, for those reasons alone, I'm going to say Sean Walker is still with the Kings at the end well, of the season. Unless it's a big trade for a defenseman, that would be a good reason that he wouldn't be on the roster. You're right. That would be because if they do take a big swing for a left-handed D, um, I do believe that Sean Walker would would be the prime D candidate to be going back mm -hmm. in that deal. It would have to be a much larger larger package. You have well, of to course, absolutely. Yes. A couple of their you know key forwards and whatnot. But if a team wanted to get an NHL defenseman back in return, which you would mm -hmm. think they probably would, um, Sean Walker would be a good candidate for that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Next up, true false. Tikachev makes the team and plays top six minutes. False. I say true. I think he does make the team. And here's why. Very interesting comments by Coach Todd McClellan today. Instead of talking about the three big acquisitions that they made over the summer, he over and over and over again talked about the four players that they added to the roster. The fourth player that he's talking mm. about is Tikachev. So that tells me that he thinks he's part of the club. Um, I'm going to say yes, and I've already gone on record as saying that if Tikachev does make the team, I think he plays on a line with Phil Deneau, so that's why I think he plays top six minutes. So wait, um, so wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. Brown, I follow, Kempe, uh, Arvidsson. I think Kempe's on the third line. Okay. That's that's how I think it should Okay, cool. Uh, true, false. Velarde starts the season as the 3C, but is moved to either... Uh, second or third line right wing. By uh, true pending what happens with uh, QB. But, yeah, look, he played center today, the first day. So I assume that they're still going to go with him at center. But I would think that if Byfield emerges, then, yeah, he's going to move him to the right side. 
Yeah, I, I was all the way with this question as, as yes, that happens up until the deadline of Christmas. If you would have said okay. by January 31st, which some yeah, people, yeah, what's the difference? Point, 30 John. days. Those 30 days make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Me. Um, Without so question. If this question had been worded, Velarde starts as the three seed, moved to the right wing by uh, January 31st, I would have said true. Absolutely. I do think that's the case. Um True, false. The Kings will trade one of their coveted, meaning top five AHL prospects, to push hard for the playoffs by the trade deadline this season. If I think they're going to make the, if I think they're close to the playoffs, then yes, true. And here's what I'm going to say: I I think they will make the playoffs, and I think they will be pushing hard, and I think they will make an addition at the trade deadline. But I don't think they're going to move one of their top five prospects. I think that the prospect trade most likely comes next summer, um, not at the trade deadline. So you think it would be a rental and it would be it would be a rental lesser prospect and, and or, or it would be and or it would be like a package deal, DB, where they would be clearing out some contracts, right? So it'd, it'd be mm-hmm. almost like a hockey trade. I'm just making this up so nobody sure. freak out. But it would be no, like like I a relax. Adrian Kempe and right. um, pick a pick a second tier prospect. Uh, I don't, I you know, I Fagamo, right? Like right. someone like that, and, and you know, and maybe a maybe a pick for a something. Pick. Yeah, sure. it, but but when I think top five, and the uh, by the way, the Mayor's Manor prospect rankings are kicking back into high gear, so you will know soon enough who the top five yeah, are. Let's go but already. Top, top five to me would be like QB, Turcotte, yeah, Faber. Course, right. You know, it would not be Brent Clark, um, right? Yeah, yeah Brent Clark. That's like top five. I don't think they're moving one of those top five. They're they're coveted mm-hmm. AHL prospects. Okay, right. next up, um, is it true the Kings make the playoffs before the Ducks? Uh, oh yeah, there's two questions here. So the first one: Is it true the Kings make the playoffs before the Ducks? Yes, they yes they better. True. Okay. Uh, next question is true false. A Kings rookie will win the Calder. False. Yeah, I wanted to just be a smartass and say it's true. A Kings rookie will eventually win the Calder, uh, <laughs> but I'm assuming that it's relative to this year. So will a Kings right. rookie win the Calder? No, because I don't think that you're going to have. A, I mean, unless Tikachev is just the second coming, right of. Uh, of- Caprizov. Of Capril, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, yeah, I don't think there's anybody that's going to be with the team over the full 82 right. games that really would be justified as a as a Calder candidate. So, no. Even if QB comes up, it'll be late in the, sec- you know, mm-hmm. in the second half, and uh, you know, some other rookie will have you know been dominating the headlines by that point. Um, true, false. With the additions of Deneau helping on the defensive side and Arvidsson on the offensive side, Kopitar will be a top 17, that's a very arbitrary number, a top 17 point producer in the league. Why top 17? Is that like a fantasy hockey thing? Uh, Not a top 20? No okay. Yeah. And there's 32 teams. You think 16 divided by 30. Uh, okay. Set top <laughs> top well, 17. Let's say top, tw- let's say top 20. Okay. Um, yeah, true, because I, I think the power play would be better. I think you get even more points on the power play, so I'll go true. I was going to say true as well, just because I think that uh, he's going to have some some wingers this year, or a winger in Ardvidsson that's yeah. going to be able to provide more offense. Finish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be great. Uh, next up here. Okay, great podcast, guys. It kills a great interview. Yes, the true-false section was fire or lit. Uh, true-false. Kings are buyers at the trade deadline. True. True. Yes, I agree. True-false. Velarde averages over half a point a game this season. So if it's 82 games, 41 points. Does, does Velarde get to 41 points this year? A uh, fault. Yeah, I was just doing the math in my head. I'm just going to go like 10, 25. That's 35. I'm going to say false. That's a good cutoff, though, 41 points. Does he get mm-hmm, it is. Yeah, over or under 41 points? Very interesting. Um, I, I'm not sure he's going to get enough ice time to get 
Right. Like if he had 15 goals, like how many assists? He'd have to get 25 assists to get over uh, 26 assists. Eh, maybe he could. Um, we can all hope so. Uh, I know Todd McClellan has his fingers crossed. Um, here's a summary, a part of the Q. Uh, no, let me true or false. Uh, Zegris will score more points than any Kings rookie next year. I think he means this year. So right. Zegris this will season. score more Let's points than any Kings rookie this year. Yeah, it, yeah. True, because I, I just think he's going to get a massive amount of ice time in Anaheim, which I don't think any Kings rookie will be approaching. Yeah, he's going to be the one C from all indications. Um, so, and at worst, a two C. So he's right. going to get a tremendous amount of power play time. So again, unless Capri, uh, Kaprizov, unless Tikachev, <laughs> unless Tikachev is Kaprizov, and he's not expected to be, so please don't put those expectations on him. Um, that's their, really their only bet from a point. Uh, perspective to be able to compete with Zegers because all these guys like Byfield and Turcotte and Kalia mm-hmm. will most likely be starting in the uh, be starting in the Ontario with in the AHL with the Ontario Reign. So DB, those were a lot of fun questions. Um, you had a couple. Uh, did, did we already yep. cross over them, or um, do you have some no? No, we can, we can do them. Yeah, we, we uh, can let's do, do them. it. Okay, true or false? Gabe Velarde will score more than fifteen goals. I'm gonna say false. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say false. Okay. I'm I mean, if you're board. talking this season, I, I think he's yeah, much season, more than a, yeah, I think season. he's much more than a 15 goal scorer. But I think that he hasn't found his rhythm. He hasn't found his place in the league yet. He hasn't found his position mm-hmm. in the league yet. And I think the first half of the season is going to be him kind of trying to fit in and figure out who he is. And then I think he's going to have a much stronger second half of the season. That I firmly believe. I think he'll do two to three x times his production in the second half of the season compared to what he does in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Quentin Byfield will play more than 40. Well, hold on, wait, what, what was your answer? Uh, a fault. False. Okay, fine. Yeah. What's the next Quint, question? Quentin Byfield will play more than 40 NHL games this season. False. Okay. You? Yeah, look, if it's me, I put him at the 3C to start the season and go from there. But I, I will say I will say false. If I was managing this team, it would be true. Okay, so if you were managing the team, though, let's go back to earlier then. You you yeah. now have taken two of the four spots. So you have Byfield yeah. and Lemieux. So mm-hmm. who are your other two forwards? Do you know who they are yet? Have you picked them out yet? No, I haven't picked them out yet because okay. i got to see training camp. All right, so put okay. a pin in that and come back to it. I yeah. want to know who your four are. Pick four. Okay. You only pick four. Yeah, okay, I, I promise. I will. Next episode. Um, Alex Ifala will score more goals than Adrian Kempe. True. Okay. What'd I'll lean true on I'll, I'll lean true on that. That's and, a really good. That's a really good question, DB. Yeah. Yep. And final one: Cal Peterson will start at least fifty games. Fifty. Fifty. Uh, he's going to get more than forty. Fifty. I mean, yeah, you get thirty-five and fifty-six. Uh, yeah. True. Yeah, I'm going with true. I, I think he need he needs to emerge here mm-hmm. and be the guy. So. You know well, what we need it. to do? We need. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think Todd would ever answer them, but when he comes on the uh, on the podcast, <laughs> you know, we used to do. <laughs> here's the thing: word association used to be like yes. a key feature on Mayor's Manor. We've done Mayor's it a couple Manor, times yeah. here on the podcast as well. But we need to make true false a thing on the podcast. Yeah, and um, maybe we should try it out. I, agree. I don't know if Todd would answer those questions, but those would be, those would be some really fun true false questions to be able to ask Todd. Um, the interview would be over. If we did these four. If we did those four? Forget it. <laughs> Todd, who scores more goals? A true Stop or asking me about Velarde. <laughs> I follow scores more goals than Kempe. <laughs> <laughs> it's for the fantasy players. They want to yes, know. Yeah, Not yeah. us. 
<laughs> we have a bad connection, fellas. I'll join you at a different date on the podcast. Um, yeah, we do have uh, we have six guests already in the hopper that we're lined up for. But uh, DB, we wanted to do a quick debrief and uh, yep. uh, sort of catch everybody up on our trip and talk about training camp. Uh, so a lot to come with the guests on future episodes, as well as a lot to come during training camp. Seven preseason games for the LA Kings this year, with a big majority of them uh, on television as well. So yeah. you don't even have to uh, leave the comfort of your couch to go out and, and watch these games and to see the competition uh, at DB. It's going to be fun to watch it unfold and, and kind of argue a little bit about uh, which players should earn those four spots and who should be the seventh yeah. defenseman. Seven preseason games, John, 82 regular season games, and hopefully some postseason. I can't wait. Uh, yes, and some postseason games. You heard it here first. There you go. That's Kings of the Podcast. We will be back soon with another episode. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. You know I'm a dreamer, but my heart's a goal. I had a runaway high, so I wouldn't come home, no. Just one more night and I'm coming on this block.